Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody give a hand clap for Jesus. Praise him. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, it's okay. The guitar's alive. Amen. The guitar got happy. Welcome to Elevate. Welcome to Elevato. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> Welcome to heaven. There you go. All right. Welcome to Olidar. Yeah, there you go, babe. See? All right. Cool, cool, cool. That was uh, Korean, right? Boom. Come on. Multicultural in this place. Thank you, Lord. Okay, guys. So we're going to continue our sermon series this week. Uh, If you're watching online, my name is Joseph Bonilla. I'm the youth director, and we wish you were here. Uh, We pray that you would come. And and then people that are here, make sure that you try to bring your friends. Let them know that Elevate, we're meeting in person. We are loving on each other. We're playing basketball on the back. But most importantly, we're hearing God's word, and we're in his presence. Amen? Amen. Everybody say, family matters. Everybody say, family matters. So today, we're going to talk about family matters, because family, amen, amen. Y'all got it, y'all got it. So today, we're going to be talking about a child in the way, right? A child in the way. And there's two ways that could sound, Libni kind of pointed it out, and, and that's true, that there's a child in the way kind of sounds like someone who's annoyed with their child, like there's a child in the way of my life, you know, there's a child in the way of me doing things. Uh, but what the scripture's talking about with a child in the way is the opposite. It's a child living in the way that God has paved out for them. So uh, I want to talk to you quickly, really quick, about children today, right? If you are under 18, raise your hand. If you're under 18, raise your hand. If you are 18, raise your hand. That's right, because Libni turned 19. Where's Libni? Libni just turned 19 recently. She was 18 for about two years, but she finally made it. But, you know, we're, when we talk about children in today's society, we're really talking about, like, from literally four years old to 18. That's kind of like what we have in our mindset, right? And when we talk about children now, it's uh, Gen Z, right? How many of you are millennials in this place? Raise your hand, all right? Millennials. That means you're you're born. Let's say you're born before '97, and you were born after I think about eighty eighty. So if you're born after eighty, oh boom! All right, come on. I'm a millennial too, baby. You're a millennial. Don't run and hide. Now Gen Z. Is anyone born after 97? If you're born after 1997, raise your hand. All right. Come on, TJ. Marco and TJ like to pretend that they're millennials, and I have to remind them sometimes. But we, we see in this society more than before that children have an intense or immense amount of pressure than they did in previous generations to make decisions They didn't have to make before. Now, I'm going to make sure you understand what I'm saying. But first, traditionally, parents would raise their children to be the type of people they wanted them to be in society. That was the role of a parent, and the role of a child was just to fit that mold. Now, today, children choose their education. It's up to you what high school you want to go to. It's up to you what college you want to go to. It's up to you what what, what career you want to pursue. Before, that wasn't actually your job, really. That was part of the family makeup. Now, you have to choose who you want to be with. That's another thing you have to worry about, whether you want to be with someone, who you want to be with. There's a pressure for that. Then you have to choose, nowadays, your gender. You have to feel it. You have to feel around it. Maybe I'm not who I am and who I was when I was born. Maybe I'm something else. So now you have these feelings that are complicated to begin with, I mean, who really understands feelings? No one. 
But yet you have to try to understand them. There's an insane amount of pressure on this generation and, and to make decisions in life uh, when parents were supposed to help make those decisions, guide you, matter of fact, mold you in a sense, train you so that you can flourish in this life. Now, you have to make decisions on what to do with you, your future, your body, everything. It's all up to you, your choice. And that sounds very liberating at first. It sounds freeing at first. It sounds almost like too, too, true to be, uh, too good to be true at first, and it is too good to be true. Because with this insane amount of liberation and freedom and decisions to make, there's a lot of error to make. There's a lot of mistakes to make. Matter of fact, there's a lot of confusion to be caught up in. And I'm not saying that this is the worst generation. A lot of people will be like, every generation says the next generation is the worst generation. That's the truth. Right? Every generation is the worst generation. But what I'm saying right now is that this generation is the most independent. Now, this is including how there's now, back in the day, children had to go work at factories. They had to work at factories before child labor laws where they would get paid like pennies, nickels, dimes. So there's labor laws and we thank God for that. But the reason why I'm saying it's the most independent, not that you guys have to go get a job, but it's because you guys have been fed this idea that you are in control of your destiny and your happiness. That you are in control of it. That it's all up to you. You are the sole driving force in your life. And you have to live like that from an early age. I mean, think about it. Now you can be five years old and say, I'm no longer a boy, I'm a girl. And now you can get into a, uh, a, get a medical procedure in which you get to chop off your genitalia. And then what happens now is they fold it in you. And then after that, they stitch it together. So really, your dingling is inside you. And it's just a fake female genitalia. That's a five-year-old that gets that. It's a five-year-old who can get that. That's what they're aiming for. Or if you don't want that, we can give you these things called puberty blockers. That the more you take them at five years old, the less amount of puberty you have to go into. And who makes that decision? The five-year-old. That's not a decision they should even be thinking about. And 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 I'm I'm listen, the the I'm not being transphobic about this either. There are people in that trans community that are saying, this is wrong. This is wrong. Children should not be doing this. So I'm not going to get into those areas, but what I want to get into is how this generation has, is under an insane amount of anxiety, an insane amount of depression, suicidal rates going up. There's all this information, yet there's no teacher. There's all this directions, but there's no guide. And... It's because there are no such thing as parents. Really, that's what it comes down to. There really is no such thing as parents. Parents that aren't willing to step up and be a parent. And because of there being no parents, there's no children. However, if you are in this place and you don't really have parents in your life, there is still no excuse for your actions and your behavior. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Last week, I went in on parents and how a mother and a father, because we're talking about family, not just children, but family, how a ma and a pa, they have a place in the family. They have to be the trainers. They have to train people up, train their children up to live for Jesus. But now we're going to be talking about kids and how children have to give honor. Everybody say give honor. And that way of getting, giving honor, they're not supposed to depart from it. So everybody say, do not depart. And then everybody say, receive the kingdom. Because children, according to Jesus, they're the ones that receive the kingdom. And if others want to receive the kingdom, we have to adopt the same mindset as a child. And that's, that's, not, that, that goes, that's a little different than you might think, and we'll get into that. But now in the Bible, Bible days, right, first century, maybe before that, you are usually a child until about 10 to 13, right? As a matter of fact, some people considered infants until they were seven years old. So... You were an infant until seven. Then maybe you were a child until about 10, 13. There was no teenagers at that time. No teenagers. Teenagers, that term teenager didn't come around until the 1900s. And it was used for money. 
So, hey, these are what teenagers are wearing, right? Oh, you got to be like these teenagers. It was used to kind of like propaganda to get people to spend more money, consumerism, all that type of stuff. So teenagers didn't even exist as an age range. You were an adult at about 14 to 17. So at 14, you, you're an adult. You're an adult. Or you're in this partial adulthood age until you're about maybe 17 to 20. Different than teenagers because you'd be considered an adult. You wouldn't have the same rights but you wouldn't have the same privileges as a child. So I just wanted to make that clear because we're going to get into children back in the day, right, and, and the rights they had and how that changed in a little bit. But first, I want to go to the scripture, right? Now that we understand what a child is according to the Bible, what a child is according to that day, uh, how many of you are 10 to 13? Raise your hand, 10 to 13. So you guys are at the twilight of your childhood, Okay, according to, the script, according to the days of the scripture, not the scripture, but according to the days in which the scripture was written. How many of you are about 14 to 17? All right, so you guys would be considered like adults at this point. Adults, they would marry. Adults, they would get a job. Adults, they would go into apprenticeship, go into war. That's what adults would do. Now, we're not like that any, anymore. You guys aren't adults until you're 31. You know, that's how it is nowadays. You're not adults until you leave your parents' house. But it was different. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 2. Everybody say, give honor. Listen, there's not many, many commands, not many commands for children that don't come from this command. Okay? It says in Ephesians chapter 6, this is Paul speaking, and he says, being guided by the Holy Spirit, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may enjoy a long life on earth. Everybody say, give honor. So we see this, and and this isn't the only verse that says this. This isn't something you can just go around. If you want to know how to be a child according to the scripture, there's Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, that tells us that you have to honor your parents uh, in Christ, right? Same thing here, Paul speaking. Then you even go to the Old Testament, uh, how it tells us that we, one of the earliest commandments, right? I think it's either, which commandment is it, the sixth or the seventh? Sixth or seventh, one of those. It'll tell you the first commandment with the promise is given to a child, a child. So listen, this is a promise to you guys from God. If you honor your parents, right, it will go well with you. And every parent said, amen, right? Amen. Amen, right? But it doesn't, it doesn't seem that, that simple to us. It, there's got to be like a catch. Like, why, why do I have to honor my parents? Well, well there, there is a little bit of a catch, just a little bit, but not much. When we go to Proverbs chapter 6, it says, my child, you don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. It tells us about how we have to guard the commands of our father, and we can't forsake the instruction of our mother. Colossians chapter 3.20 says, obey your parents in everything. Everybody say everything. For this is pleasing to the Lord. Everybody say pleasing to the Lord. So it's not just that this will go right for you. Not that it will be good for you, but this is actually pleasing to the Lord. So this gives pleasure to the Lord. The Lord is happy when you obey your parents. You may say, well, this is just baloney, right? Why do I have to listen to my parents? I think this was all made up. Christianity, there you go, it's false. It was made by a bunch of people trying to just put their, their kids in place. And No, that's not true. We go above this, and you got to understand it gives instructions to husbands. See, back in the day, I want to let you know, husbands, they had total and dominant control of their household. That means they could pretty much do whatever they wanted and get away with it. Everything but murder, sometimes. Sometimes. And we'll get to that in a little bit. They were able to basically treat their children as if slaves. Matter of fact, children were at the same level as slaves in the household at this period. They had no rights. None at all. But what is the instruction given to parents, specifically fathers in some translations? It says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. You see, that there, it changes everything because the father 
was able to say whatever they wanted to the children and expect it to be done. Expect it to be done. And if it wasn't done, there would be major consequences. And he could speak to the child in any way he wanted because the child was his property. So this right here, you may say, well, this is just for kids. To... No, no, this goes on to everybody. See, Paul is being, uh, being guided by the Holy Spirit to change the family in general, complete family. But we're still at the children. The children, they were to give honor to their parents. And that's, that's a big thing. When you honor your father and your mother, you're following them. You're following their right example. You're listening to their right words. When they speak, right, you listen to what they say, okay? You, if they tell you, listen, I don't want you going out with those kids because every time you're with those kids, you act dumb. You act like a fool. What you're going to do, according to Proverbs and all of Scripture, is say, okay, I won't go around with those people. How many of you ever read the book of Proverbs? How many of you read Proverbs? If you read the book of Proverbs, this is what essentially what it's saying throughout the whole book. Listen to your mom, listen to your dad. And if you listen to your mom, you'll bring her honor. If you listen to your dad, you'll bring him honor. If you don't, you'll bring them shame and you'll bring them sadness. Matter of fact, it says that a dishonorable child is like rotting to the bones of their parents. Rotting to the bones of their parents. Right? And we have awesome Julie Riesco in the building tonight, right? And, and some of you don't know this, but her children, uh, most importantly, her oldest son actually won her to the Lord, right? Preached to her, and she became a believer. And her oldest son, which is an evangelist for Jesus, right? He wasn't always an evangelist for Jesus. Matter of fact, he was a gang member. And I'm pretty sure at night you could asleep sometimes. Yeah. Then there's her other son, which is an entrepreneur and also an evangelist. And he was in gangs too. How many times was he arrested? Eight times? Yeah, yeah. So we see that you could bring shame to your parents on how you act and how you live. When you're a young man and, and you don't care about what your parents say, you're disrespectful, you don't care about authority, right? You fight authority, you rebel, you don't have any manners, you bring shame to your mother and your father. When you're a girl and you act that same way, you bring shame. So Understand this, because even though Paul changes how a child is to be treated, he doesn't change what a, pa- a child is supposed to do. Because the only way, the only people that are called to obey, because wives, and we'll probably get to that another day, wives aren't told to obey their husbands. They're told to submit. There's a difference. But kids, children, and slaves are told to obey. Now, we can get to slavery another time, but obedience was expected of the child. It was an expectation. And this is hard. This is only really done by the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you guys. You are not able to obey your parents without, one, loving the Lord, and two, loving people. And you're not able to do that unless you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. It says... It says right here, you obey, you honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. You have to understand that this, this is now a promise attached to a commandment. Do not lie, do not steal, do not covet, all those things. None of them had a promise attached to it except this one. This is the summary of Proverbs, all of Proverbs in a sense. Wisdom is really attached to this. Wisdom is attached to this. When we think about a parent's wisdom, 
We know that we shouldn't sit with fools. We shouldn't, anybody ever heard guilty by association, right? You, who are who you're with? If you show me who your friends are, I'll show you who you are, right? Parents say that all the time. The Bible is saying that as well. You have to understand this. When your parents are speaking wisdom and you do not listen, the Bible paints you as a fool. Everybody say a fool. But it also, what is it saying? You're not going to receive that promise. What's the promise? That it may go well with you. What may go well with you? Life. And you won't please the Lord. Some of y'all, like I said last week, y'all come to elevate. Y'all like to serve. Y'all like to be nice to leaders. But then when you get home, there's nothing but attitude. Nothing but attitude. Nothing but disrespect. You'll serve here, but you won't serve at home. The Lord is not pleased with that because what is he pleased with if you obey your parents, if you give them honor, if you give them honor? The commandment that he's talking about in Deuteronomy is to honor your parents, honor your father and your mother. Think about that. That's something that is done. It is done. You have to be intentional. I'm going to honor my mother and father by doing what they told me to do. If you're now, if you're saying, well, what if my parents tell me to rob a bank? What if my parents tell me to kick someone in the face? Because I had my mom tell me that one time. My mom, she needed discipleship. She loved the Lord, but she needed discipleship. But one time she told me, because some kid, it was almost like that Kevin Hart skit. But he called me a name. So I said, Mom, he called me a name. And, and I, I kid you not. She's like, oh, call it. Man, you know what? He's always picking on you. Just call it to him right back and then come back. So I'm like, all right. So I went over there and I cussed him out. He just called me an idiot. But I called him everything else. And then I went back and I told my mom. And she's like, no, that is not what I was saying. And she got mad at me and I was confused. But I shouldn't have listened to my mom there. I should have listened to the Lord. My mom told me if anyone slaps you, you turn the other cheek. But you only got two, so you beat them up. One time, that happened. I was nice to this kid. He was always getting picked on. And because I was nice to him, he thought he could pick on me. So he just went up to me out of nowhere and, like, hammer fist me in the head. So I was like, what is going on here? I've been nice to you. So I got up, and I started just jabbing at his face. And we got in trouble. And I felt bad after because he's crying. So what do I do? Because I was raised Christian. I shouldn't have known I should have done that. I started crying with him. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. That ain't me, man. I'm not like that. I'm not about that life. I promise you. But I shouldn't have listened to my mom at that sense. Now, I, I agree that self-defense is okay, but not to pumble some kid, not to beat him up, but to defend yourself to get away, right? That's what is the reason for self-defense. Now, if your parents don't love God, this is what you do. You take what you can learn from them, and then you love Jesus more. What do I mean by that? Well, when you honor God, if you are truly honoring God, you will honor them. If you're truly praising God, right, then you will honor them. That means if they are telling things that are contrary to the word of God, the way to honor them is to actually do the right thing. That's how you obey your parents when they tell you to disobey the Lord. It's when you obey God more than you obey them. So if your parents are telling you to lie and say, hey, my address, tell the school your address is over here when really you live on the other side of town, because, you know, a lot of Latinos, they be doing that. You know, I'm not going to lie, I almost did that too. But that's, that's a typical thing. You say, no, mom, that's a lie. That's a lie. Let us honor the Lord. Let's not do that. Or when your parents say, hey, listen, I want you to... Steal for me, I want you to lie for me, I want you to do this for me, and they attach your love to this sin, as in if you don't do this, you don't love me, what do you do? You love Jesus more. Because that is how you will give them honor. When Jose was preaching to to you, Julie, you were a Catholic. Yeah, go ahead. Wow. Wow.
yeah. yeah. And so why don't we just go to church with him <laughs> and I show him how long he is. And he sat back there. Yeah. Tithing. Amen. Amen. pastor said to me, the choice is his. Mm. And I cried some more. And then I cried and I said, Lord, please, please can Jose, I want Juan to choose you, Lord. And then I cried for that. But I know that Juan, I know that Juan was so picky. And if this church had been dirty, you know, and if it had been hot, because we came in the summer, <laughs> I know that he would have never stayed he would have never said, but I remember after service how the young people be sweeping and vacuuming and cleaning the windows. And I said, yes. I was so grateful for tidying, grateful for the service of everybody. And then I knew how important it was. So this is where we're Praise at. God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Praise God. So thank you. Thank you. you see that, though. Jose, at that moment, could have been a good, good son and said, okay, I'm going to leave Christianity because I don't want to disobey my parents. But instead, he was willing to, in a sense, kind of weaken that relationship with you guys to love Christ more. And eventually that brought honor. It brought honor right away, but it brought honor to you because you were proud. And eventually your husband got saved, who was a Muslim, got saved right before he, he passed away and went to be with the Lord. So, And that took years. So understand this is that Jose, her son, disobeyed her to obey God, which really brought honor to her. So this is the type, and, and understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying, Mom, forget you and your dishes. I got to read the Bible. Understand, I'm not saying that. Man, you want me to, to spend time with you on Mother's Day? Psh, heck nah. I got to do this instead. I got, I, I got to do what I got to do for the Lord. Matter of fact, that's, a, that's actually something the Pharisees used to do. The Pharisees, what they would do was instead of helping their family in need, they would give to the synagogue. So instead of practicing love, they would practice giving to the synagogue, which was their church at the time. And they would say that this was pleasing to the Lord. I want to let you know, no matter what you do, you can't escape this. This is a commandment from God. It doesn't stop because there's a New Testament. It doesn't stop because all of a sudden you hit puberty and you're taller than your parents, stronger than your parents. I don't care if your dad and your mom are as weak and, and handicapped or whatever and you feel like you have power over them, you must honor them and obey them. So we have to understand if you're, uh, that we have to give honor and you have to ask yourself, do you give honor? Right? So think about this. Do I give honor to my parents? Or do I bring shame with the way I act? Do you mock your parents? Right? Listen up. Do you mock your parents? When they tell you things, to do things, do you mock them? Do you ridicule them? Do you make jokes at them? 
you ignore their instruction when they're giving you wisdom, when they're giving you advice? Do you ignore their instruction? Do you put yourself, your needs, your wants above your parents? Listen, I want to let you know that if you do, because you think you're entitled to this, I want to let you know you are not entitled to anything. Your parents owe you nothing. It has never been in a society before the last like 50, 60 years in which a kid said the parent owed me something. Never. Now, when we get to adults, adults and adult relationships are always different. But a kid in the household, a child that depends on their parents, already given food, already given clothing, to say you owe me something is ungrateful. So I want to let you know that if you are doing those things, if you are being like that, you are bringing your parents shame. You are shaming your parents. You're not honoring them. So honor your parents. Give, give honor to them because this is the way that the Lord wants you to live. And you should not depart from this way. Can we go to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6? You see, the Bible talks about the way, the path, right, all the time. And this is the type of language you may hear quite a bit. Like, everybody got to find their own path. Everybody got to find their own way, bro. Yeah. Dude, do you know your way? Right? Like, you, you'll see people like that, right? Do you, like, you know, people think they're so spiritual because they'll be like, there's many paths to God, right? But it's just the same God, bro. It's like we're all train tracks on the road of divinity. And once we reach the essence of God's heart, we just tickle it a little bit. Doesn't matter if you're Buddhist, right? Like, 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 no, no, understand this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. But there is a way that you've been raised and you should not depart from it. Right here, parents are told to start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not depart from it. Everybody say depart from it. Depart from it. So we right here are now kind of like put onto this. We're put onto this path, put onto this way, and it's saying we shouldn't depart from it even when we're old. You see, that's kind of tricky nowadays. Because like I said, this generation is one of the most independent in another way because they are encouraged on all fronts to rebel, to depart from the way, to depart from the way. Children are told to depart from the way of the previous generation in this generation more than ever before. In the past, they were told the same thing. But it wasn't being told by mainstream media. It wasn't being told in the papers. It wasn't be, being glorified. It wasn't being highlighted like it is. It was always something that, yeah, everyone did, they said, but it was kind of like wrong and you knew it. But now it's seen as noble. It's seen as righteous. Now, I'm here to tell you that there are some things that do need to be departed from at times. For example... Right, the generation that did the Civil Rights Acts movement, there was lots of white people that came from racist homes that they had to disobey their parents and they had to sit in colored only buses and ride miles, even to the point of getting, getting thrown rocks, at, uh, rocks thrown at them. Matter of fact, there was, a uh, there was a bus that basically everyone died in, and I forgot which bus it was. Everyone got burned alive, white and black. But they had to depart from that way. So I'm, I'm not saying that you just follow the traditions passed on to you consistently at all times. Because even the Bible says that gives you no life. There's no life there. But there is a way you should go. Everybody should go. Everybody say should go. There's a way you should go. There's a way you should be on. And you should not depart from it. Because with that lie, okay, People now feel like since they get to depart from their family, they're being encouraged by their teachers. They're being encouraged by uh, the media. They're being encouraged by politicians to basically forget what your parents are saying and do what I'm saying. Because if you do what I'm saying, you're actually doing what you're saying. Do you guys get that? See, the same people that are telling you to rebel against your parents want you to obey them. You get that. You're always obeying something. Always understand that. You think you're, 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 you're disobeying the church, you're doing your own thing, but you're just obeying the voices that you're listening to. Whether it be like these celebrities on Instagram, whether it be these politicians, whether it be your teacher, whether it be your friends, you're always being obedient to something. 
So understand this, is that there is someone you should be obedient with, and that's your parents. If we go to 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 3, see, the scripture says this, that in the last days, this will be a sign for us to notice, to keep an eye on. But mark this, there will be terrible times. Everybody say terrible times. In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, and disobedient to their parents. Disobedient to their parents. You think that you are just innocently an irritating child. That you're just annoying and it, 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 brings, your, it brings your parents life. Like when they hear your tantrums, they're like, more life, yes. No. You think that you're just innocently lying and being two-faced to your parents. But really, you're just fulfilling scripture at this point and not in a good way. What you're doing is you're being just like this in the terrible times. You're being a product of terrible times. It's really not as as innocent as we try to make it seem in society. You see, we try to make it seem like like this being disobedient to your parents is just something that everybody got to go through. Because it's true to a certain extent. You got to learn how to be obedient. But they think that this this kind of idea where, where a kid is doing one thing in front of their parents and then doing a complete opposite behind them, that's, that's just normal. That's okay. That's expected. And parents are okay with it nowadays. Parents are perfectly fine with it. I was watching this one show with my wife. Didn't, at the end of the show, I didn't really like it, but you know, you have those shows like it. But there was this woman who, she was uh, basically perfect, right? She had the perfect look. You know, she, she had the big house, had the husband, had the four kids, had the dog, and had the car. And she thought all her kids were in check. They were doing everything they needed to do. Little did, they sh- did she know that she, they were just putting a front. They were sleeping outside, sleeping with someone that's not their husband or their wife. They were doing drugs. They were getting drunk. Uh, one of her daughters got pregnant from her boyfriend and went to get an abortion behind her back, but put her name in as, a, as her friend so she wouldn't get in trouble. You see, with, with us, we think disobedience is just a normal thing, but the scripture says it brings, it's part of terrible times, terrible times. So there is a way to live and that is the way you have been raised. The scripture is not trying to, to compare itself to society. You know, we live in a self-improvement culture that never improves. Always talking about self-improvement. Always talking about self-management. Always talking about bettering yourself. But they never get better at all. Isn't that alarming? That should alarm you guys. Because they're always telling you, do you, be, as long as you're happy, do what you want. That's some of the worst advice ever. Because at your age, when I was your age, there were a lot of bad things that made me happy. I remember one time, there's this kid, and I may have said this story before, I don't know, but there's this one kid who, he was short, and we would always mess around, but he started like bothering me. So I was mad at him, and my friends knew it. We were always, you know, talking stuff to each other. My friends, we was like, look at that bike. It's his bike. So I saw his bike, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the bike that he always rides, so we knew it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And they're like, you should take it. I'm like, oh, man, no, no. I'm not going to take it. I'm like, no, you should. You can take his bike right now. So I saw his bike. He was playing softball. The bike was in the outfield. So I ran, and I got it, and I jumped on, and everybody saw me steal his bike. I was not a good thief. No, I was not. So I stole his bike, and my friends didn't have a bike. So all three of us were riding a stolen bike down Narragansett for about, like, 30 minutes. So then once we get to the place where we arrived, I started feeling really bad. Right? That, happens a lot. that happened a lot to me growing up. I, I knew what was right, and I always did what was wrong, and then I felt bad. And then I would be like, 
is there some way I can make, make this right? And I never did. But so my friends are like, man, dude, that was awesome. I'm like, yeah, 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 it was awesome. Then I started to feel bad. I'm like, but maybe we should give it back. And they're like, what? No. You know, the, the metal guys, they sold the bike right after. And they took the money. And there I was, Safif. So he got mad at me, and he told me that, of course, he wasn't going to beat me up. So he said, I got you, bro. I know where you stay. I got people that are going to beat you up. So I was scared. I ain't about that life. I already said it. I ain't about that life. So I'm like, man, but we got to get that bike, yo. Never got the bike. Never got beat up. Praise God. But that wasn't the last time we stole a bike. We stole a bike again by some kid who was in seventh grade. We were 14. And he did something wrong to my friend, so we just confronted him and told him, give us your bike. So he gave us his bike. You know, and I knew it was wrong. And there was no reason to steal the bike. There was no reason to steal the bike. But I wanted to do what made me happy. See, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I was told so many times, like, you're kind of in control, right? So I thought, since I'm in control, this is kind of what I'm going to do now. I wasn't raised like that. I wasn't taught to do that. If my mom ever ever saw me doing that, I'd get slapped five times, get the belt. Man, I'd get thrown out temporarily, then brought back, get beaten again, and then get sent to school the next day. I wasn't raised to be like that. But I did it because it made me, what I thought at the time, happy. See, I departed from the way. You see, and a lot of times, people do come back, but they come back with a lot of broken parts that need to be healed. They come back not themselves. You see, when you depart from this way, you depart, in a sense, from who you are. When Christ sends you on this way, this narrow path, and you depart from it into the broad road that is nothing but destruction, you're not yourself anymore when you come back. You're not. Matter of fact, the Bible says that it's almost impossible to come back. So when many people never really come back. And I've seen in this church, people are, are, are raised up in the church, and all of a sudden they leave. And they leave and do all types of sinful, wicked things. And when they come back, they're not themselves. And they never fully surrender because they have bought into the lie that this thing provided them some type of happiness. All at the same time, them being depressed, addicted to drugs, suicidal, in and out of broken relationships. Yet, it made me happy a bit. So, understand that when you depart from this way, it will not go well with you. You see, a child in the way brings honor to their parents. But if you're not that child in the way, you're just another child in the way of life. You understand that? You're another statistic when you depart from the way. You're another problem. You're another issue. You're another lost cause when you depart from the way. And you don't have to be. So you have to ask yourself, which path am I going to take? The one I was raised in or this one that I created on my own when I departed from it? You have to decide. Now, I know there are some kids that have been brought up in the Lord. Because remember, it says to obey your parents for obey your parents because that is right in the Lord. Understand, everything I'm saying is only possible in the Lord. Everything is only possible in the Lord. It's not in your own strength. Because in your own strength, you fail. And when you fail in your own strength, you got to try to cover it up with your own lies. So what I'm telling you to do is first be in the Lord. And don't depart in that way that the Lord has taught you. I believe even if your parents aren't saved, they have something to tell you. They have some type of knowledge to tell you. And if you listen to the knowledge and the wisdom and you obviously compare it to what Christ is saying... You'll learn something. You'll learn something. Because this is what I have to tell you. Sometimes we don't learn from our parents' successes. We learn from their failures. So even though, and I've heard stories, man. You, you, I mean, you've probably heard stories too, but of these parents that are broken, and it seems like their children has to pick them up. 
I mean, we kind of heard a similar story like that with, with Astrid and Vicente. They didn't want to come back to church. They didn't want to obey the Lord. And what kind of brought them back? It was Evie who kept saying, I want to go back to church. I, I know Jesus is there. So sometimes the, the parents, their failures should show you a success. So if Evie ever was to say, man, this, this, this Jesus stuff ain't for me. After saying to her parents at a young age, this Jesus stuff is what we need, right? She is not looking at the way that she was raised up in. You guys get that? Because the Lord is involved in the way you have been raised. You see, even from a young age, he's been your God. Before you acknowledged God as your God, he loved you, knew you, and called you. From your mother's womb, he knitted you and had a purpose for your life. He had a way for you before you could even walk on it. He had a way for you. So when we depart from it and create our own way, we end up broken, purposeless, messed up. This is what we can do. Go to Luke chapter 18, 15 through 17. Just to help you understand, I want you to know that without the Bible, children really haven't had rights in the Western world. Matter of fact, Romans could sell their children and even kill them until a law was passed in the A.D. 4th century under Constantine. Constantine was the first emperor to make Christianity legal in Rome. Before that, up until you were a, an adult, right, 10 years old, 14 years old, right, entering that childhood age, that adulthood age, you could be killed and sold. They didn't see you as a sentient being, as someone with a soul. Romans did not consider children as beings with a de- developed soul. As a consequence, they often discarded dead infants or buried them in the garden like a dead pet. Laws were passed in the 5th century outlawing the sale of children to families who might give a child a better chance of survival. So we have to understand that the Bible is giving all of you rights. All of you rights. Without the scripture's influence in the Western culture, children could be being sold and killed until adulthood. Because you didn't have a developed soul according to them. Everything I said about the purpose, about what God has given you, a lot of people like to take that and then subtract God. Insert the universe. Insert your soul within. But I want to let you know that is strictly scripture. The Bible and what God has said in it is what gives us value. Don't forget that. Because Even in the times of Jesus, people thought this way. This is a time where Jesus, he's with the crowds because Jesus loved people, amen? So he was a lot of times with people. And he had his disciples with them. And a lot of times the disciples, they were trying to bring people to Jesus like we should be doing. And they were at times kind of keeping people away from Jesus, which we should not be doing, okay? People were also bringing the babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on and bless them, right? Not baptize them. Right, I saw this funny video where this priest was dipping a baby, flipping him up. I was like, what is going on? And then a priest like, lifted the baby, slapped its butt, passed it to the next person, lifted the baby, slapped I was like, whoa, what is going on here, man? Y'all wild. Jesus was not doing that, all right? He just simply blessed this child, right? Prayed for them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. The disciples rebuked people giving babies to Jesus. Why? Because they still had that mindset that children were less than, that kids were less than, that they didn't have the same rights as me. But Jesus called to the children. He called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never, everybody say never, never enter it. Never enter it. You see, that view of children not being 
able, being less than, being lowly, being less than human. Jesus was completely contrary to that. You see, what Jesus was talking about was the kingdom of God and how to receive it. I want to let you know how important it is to be a child and understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, I'm not talking about throwing tantrums, right? I'm a gym teacher and I teach pre-K three all the way to eighth grade. So I teach them when they're learning how to speak all the way to where they speak too much. And I tell you this, he's not talking about us being throwing tantrums, us pooping our pants, peeing our pants. He's not talking about you being jealous because someone took your toy. What kind of, why did he say you can only enter the kingdom if you receive it like a child? He's saying because a child has this automatic, undeterred trust. You see, a child trusts in their parents, and it is not deterred. It is not shaken. This trust that a child has in their parents is it's almost indescribable. If one of you ever, you know, see kids, you know, you see those pictures, right, where they, the, the father throws the kid up in like 20 feet in the air. Anybody ever seen that? I would never do that to my kid because I don't trust myself. I don't. I don't. I'll start sweating and everything. No, I wouldn't do that. I don't think Karina would let me do that either. But the child is like, what? Is the child really terrified? After? No. The child is like, whoa, this is awesome. This is awesome. I'm flying right now. Then, boom, right in dad's arms. Then, Back in dad's arms, right? They're laughing. There's joy. There's trust. You see, Jesus says that there's no way to enter the kingdom of God unless you're like a child, an innocent child, the innocence of a child. You see, a child hasn't been disfigured by the problems of this world. How many times do we treat the next person wrong because of the last person? Whether it be a friendship, a relationship, whether it be uh, teachers, whether it be authorities, we treat the next person in our life wrong because of the last person in our life. We've been disfigured. We've been tainted by the world. But a child is innocent. A child is innocent. They trust. They trust and they obey. Now, obviously, I'm not telling you guys to be naive and trust every person, but what I'm telling you is to trust Jesus like a child would trust their parent. And that's going to be difficult for some of you because you've gotten into that mode of independence where you don't need your parents. So what do you do? You bring that into your walk with Christ. You think that your walk with Christ is your walk with Christ, capital or emphasis on the your. Like you still own yourself. Like you still control yourself. Like you still have all the knowledge in the world. And really you just have something to say to Jesus to help him out. Really. This is Christ living in you now. Christ living through you. Once you enter this kingdom as a child, you remain as a child. And he leads you and he guides you. You don't ever develop from this stage. There are no adults in the kingdom of God. There are only children of God in his kingdom. Now, we have to get that. Some of you in 101, some of you in 201, you guys want to advance and, and, and just get higher, and you want to get closer to becoming a leader. You want to strive and everything, but you must first understand your role as a child of God. You must first understand your role in trusting him, being dependent on him. You don't have all the answers. You don't have all the reasons. You don't even have some of the right questions. You need to listen and trust and obey. You need to stop trying to find loopholes into what God is asking you to do and just simply trust him and obey him and what he's asking you to do. If I could have uh, Melanie come up, please, and the altar workers. You see, you have, you have the God-given Everybody say, God-given. You have a God-given right to enter this kingdom. God-given. That means no one can take it from you. No one can take it from you. You can only give it up. 
But you cannot receive it trying to be someone you're not. You have to receive it like a child. Trusting and obeying. If everyone can stand up, please. You see, what God wants for, for you in your life, even at this age, may, may shock you. It may challenge you. But this is nothing new. There was a king named Josiah in the Bible. And I want to let you know that, you know, when we look at back in the day, the kings in the Bible, they were messed up. They were messed up. I mean, they were messed up in a way they were murdering their brothers, raping their sisters, messed up. The kings in the Bible were messed up, but Josiah, he was a godly king. Here's the thing about Josiah. He was the youngest king. He became king at eight years old. Eight years old. Now, of course, you know, as king, right, he would listen to his parents and they would help him out. But he basically served for years up until he was a young adult. And what did God use this child to do? He used this child to start revival. You see, because at this point, the temple had been destroyed. And the temple was the way that they learned about God, experienced God. And the temple was destroyed, so they had forgotten the laws of God. And while the temple was being rebuilt because they didn't want things to remain destroyed, they discovered the law of God. The law that I was reading to you, obey your parents, right? Do not lie, do not steal, do not kill. This law that God had given to us. They discovered it again, and Josiah decided to make an edict. That means an announcement that everyone would have a day of repentance. That means everyone would repent, and they would repent from idolatry, they went back to the temple. They took their idols away. They went back to the temple. They took the sacrifices away. All the things that were not of God, they took it out of the temple. This young man, this child, was the cause of revival. The cause of revival. He was eight years old. God raised him up. He did not depart from that way of obedience. And when it came to it, he was willing to call everyone out to repentance so that they, right, could now observe this God. They could know this God. They could love this God. And this is my challenge to you guys. If you do know that you're in the way, this is my challenge for you to be a child of God. And a child of God is going to be like Josiah. You may be in your school. You may be in your family. You may be with your friends. But you need to start calling them to repentance because the kingdom of God belongs to you. Olivia, the kingdom of God belongs to you. William, the kingdom of God belongs to you. Right? The kingdom of God belongs to all of you. And if you receive it like a child, God will show you amazing, miraculous things. But you need to stop resisting. You need to stop being rebellious. You need to stop disobeying your parents and disobeying God. And you need to just be like a child. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. This altar call is very simple. If you have departed from the way that you were raised... You have departed from what God has said is true, from what God has said is right. You have departed from what your parents told you to do in respect to God. Then this is your altar call. This is for you to repent, to come back to this way. Because I'm telling you, the way that you've, you've created when you've departed will not bring you life. It will not go well for you. There is no promise attached to what you're doing. This is what you should do. Trust in Jesus in your youth. In your youth, trust in Jesus. While you are still young, call on the name of the Lord. While there is still youth in your bones, there's still vigor in your muscles, when you are still able to get up without your back hurting, when you're still able to run without breaking your knees, right? While you are still able to be young, call on the name of the Lord. This is what you do once you trust in Jesus. You honor your mother and your father. Stop making it difficult for them to raise you and start complying with what they say. It will go well with you. 
it will go well with you. And do not depart from this. That's the third thing. Do not depart from this. Because then when you are old, when you are old, when your back does hurt now, your knees don't work now, and your vision is kind of blurry, one thing you'll be able to see is the Lord. One thing you'll be able to walk on is the Lord's path. One thing you'll be able to lean on is his confidence. So once you do that, now you can teach the others, other people to do the same. Think about that. Now you get to and you get to now raise your children up in the way they should go. You get to now not just your biological children, right? But you get to raise people up in Christ, in the Lord, telling them how they should go so they should not depart. So again, now, if you, if everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes, I want you to reflect this time while Melanie is singing. If you have departed from this way, you are not doing what God has commanded you to do. Then I want you to return to the way. Return back to the Lord. Give him your surrender. Give him your trust. And if you are on the way, this is what I want you to do. Begin to pray for those in your life. How can you be like Josiah in your life? How can you see people in your life, people that are in your family, people that are in your friend's circle? How can you see them now call out to the Lord? How can you see them now repent? They need it if they departed from the way. Begin to pray that. And if you need prayer for anything else, let's say you're dealing with pride. Let's say you're dealing with lust. Listen, we want to get that out the way. We don't want you to depart from it, right? So as Melanie sings, begin to reflect, begin to pray. God, God, are you... Or am I right in your eyes? Have I departed from your way, Lord? How can I honor my father and my mother? Begin to pray prayers like that. Inquire of Jesus. Ask of him. Show me, God. Give me wisdom. Give me instruction. Before we close, I just want to give this quick bit of wisdom. Listen, if your parents aren't saved or aren't living right, this is the quickest way to reach them with the gospel. Clean your room. Clean your room. That's it. Clean your room. Do the dishes. Right? Do what they say. You do that, they'll see the change in you, and they'll begin to say, what has caused this change? You now get an opportunity to share with them what has caused this change. I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal, but listen, if you still need prayer, don't be embarrassed. Come up for prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word, God. I thank you for your law, Lord. God, your law is perfect, God. God, this commandment that you gave us for years, Lord, and the promise attached to it, Lord, I pray right now that we would adhere to that. We would listen to it, God. That we would not resist your voice, God. We would not shut our ears to your voice, God. I pray right now that with open ears and open hearts, Lord, I pray that we would listen to you, God. I pray that every youth in here, God, would have a burden, God, would have a desire, an eagerness to love their parents, to love their parents, to make life easy for them because they want to see your promise, God. 
I pray that everyone in here would see the way that you have drawn out for them. They would see the way that you've paved for them. God, and I pray that they would walk in it, that they would not depart from it, Lord. God, let every person hear your word, Lord. Let every person obey your word, God. Spirit of God, invade their consciousness, Lord. Invade them, Lord. Convict them, Lord. Convict them, Lord, of this truth. God, convict them, God, of their sin. Lead them to righteousness, Lord. Father, I pray right now, even in the time of fellowship, Lord, they would not lose this word, God. That they would not ignore it, God. In Jesus' name, have your way, Lord. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Feel free to grab snacks.